beautiful friends. Welcome to the Savor Podcast. We're so excited for you to join us today as we dive into the goodness of God together. Our hope is for you to be encouraged, challenged, and entertained as you listen to hosts Stacy and Suzanne, along with special guests as they have honest and real conversations about how to savor God's Word as they grow in their relationship with Christ. We hope you'll encourage a friend or two to listen with you so you can keep the conversations going. We're all about community here. Well, hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Saver Podcast. Suzanne, it's so good to be back in the studio. I know, I love it. Yes, it's been an exciting day, you guys. We've been working for a couple of hours, and there's been all kinds of craziness at one point. There are strangers walking in my backyard. I'm totally was distracted. and Yep, drinking a lot of coffee and coffee creamer, if you saw last week's. Yes. Um Foodie Friday. Foodie Friday, yeah. (laughs) I know. Speaking of that, y'all, if you did watch last Friday's Foodie Friday and you've already commented, thank you. But if you have not, y'all, I need to know, what is your favorite coffee creamer? Because what did we decide? The blueberry one from Walmart specifically, not the Bridgerton one. No. Blueberry Cobbler. Great value brand. And that makes my heart happy. <laughs> it's so good. It was very good. Yeah. It was very good. Hey, Suzanne, what, what's God been talking to you about lately? Today, instead, you know, guys, we always start with a little bit of banter back and forth, which, by the way, I usually hate on podcast and I fast forward. <laughs> but don't, don't fast forward us today because if you don't like banter, great. We're not going to banter today. We are actually going to just be sharing with you. I think sometimes it's helpful to hear what God is speaking to other people in their quiet time. So if you are, you know, wondering like how to have a provocative conversations with your friends or, and I mean provocative in th- thought provoking, provocative, not like, ooh, ooh, provocative. Yeah, because- we don't have those kind of conversations. I mean, I do, but not with you. Right. Yeah, that's what I mean. Thank <laughs> you for that. <laughs> I'm sorry, you guys. Um, anyway. One of the things that you can ask someone, you know, a friend when you're grabbing coffee with them or going for a walk or doing lunch with them or maybe people that are sitting around your dinner table, hey, anything specific that God's spoken to you lately? So, Suzanne, anything specific God's been laying on your heart or pressing into your mind lately? Well, once again, I started a chronological reading plan in January of 2024. Um, I'm going to stick this one out, but like I just said, I am going to skip a couple books when I get to them, maybe. You, are you going to tell us what books you're No, skipping? because I don't want to halt any woman. I love that. Who is also doing, but. But you guys guess. Send it in. Let <laughs> us know what book you think Suzanne's skipping. But it's not a, it's, I've already read the book when I started this plan before, <laughs> and I quit somewhere after this book, which I should have just kept going. That was so stupid. After I did that book, I should have never quit. Um, but anyway, so I feel like I've just been learning a lot, even though a lot of it's I've read. Genesis is really one of, I think it might be a, one of my favorite books. I, I love the book of Genesis. It is a good book. It's a wild ride. I'm actually doing the chronological plan this year. I've never done it before. Mm-hmm. And I'm doing it with a friend of mine. And she's like, this is crazy. I was like, I know. I said, aren't you like every day? I wonder what's happening next. I know. And it's, it's um, I actually felt, I don't even know why I'm telling you all this. This isn't what I was going to say about what God's laid on my heart but I mean there's a lot of hope in the book of Genesis if you ever feel like you have failed God and that there's nothing left for you with a relationship with God just go read Genesis because I mean and it's like the same sin over and over like your son and then your grandson anyway so that there's a lot of hope in that but to move on 
something that's really, um, I feel like God's laid on my heart that's really got me fired up and like I'm ready to like teach on it and everything is just the difference, how important the difference is and that needs to be on the forefront of our mind is um, there's a difference between being a believer and a follower Mm. of Jesus. I love that. Break that down a little bit for me because I always, in general conversation, I'm like, oh, you know, so-and-so, she's a believer. I mean, I use that term uh, synonymously with Christian. And so explain to me, maybe I'll start using the word follower if you convince me. So tell me, tell me. Well, I mean, I think in general, we know what we mean when we say believer, but I think that's the problem is that we all just mean we believe in Jesus. Um, And... God reminded me this week that, yeah, Scripture tells us that even the demons believe, but they are not followers of Jesus. And um, I think that if you are a believer in Jesus, that's great, but what do you do with that? Mm. Like, that's your belief, but are your beliefs leading you to action? To I've been listening to some of the John Mark Comer's new book. And I love how he talks about discipleship as apprenticeship and like apprenticing under Jesus. Does your life look like you are an apprentice to Jesus? That is so good. And if you guys don't know John Mark Comer, you need to go follow Practicing the Way on Instagram. His new book comes out in February. It is so good. The information he's putting out, it is amazing. And I agree 100%. Because like James says, our belief should lead to, is it James that says that? Our belief should lead to action. Like, don't be like a man who oh, looks yeah, in the yeah. mirror and forgets what I think what it is seen. James. Yeah, like your faith without works is dead, basically. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So like, just, you know, I can believe in Jesus all day long, but what does that mean? Yes, I totally think that is such a good point and such a nice reminder because we do lose some of the depth and importance of a word that gets thrown around all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, like the word love. I love that blueberry cobbler creamer, but I don't love that blueberry cobbler creamer. <laughs> Are you creamer. willing to lay your life down for right. that blueberry cobbler creamer? Right. I don't love it the way I love my husband or right. my son or my daughter. I love my dog, but I don't love her the way I love my husband or my son or my daughter. And so just saying that we are a believer in Christ, does that belief lead us to follow after him and to be an apprentice of him? And if you need help with that, then you need to join our waitlist for the Saver Discipleship Program. Because a lot of people, like myself included, I was there at one point where I didn't even know what in the world that meant to be a follower of Jesus. Even though I grew up in a home where it was modeled for me, but I didn't really know how to put my teeth into it and actually go through some of the practical steps. So if that's you, we encourage you to join the wait list because we are going to be launching a monthly membership where we're going to help you through that process. Yeah, I mean, we can put the wait list in the show notes, but it's also on our Instagram bio. And joining the wait list doesn't mean you are saying, this is it, I'm in. It's just so that when the doors do open and near the end of February, Um, you're going to get an email that says, hey, the doors are open. If you want to do this, sign up. And it'll have a little bit more details. But um, that's the thing where I think we're missing the boat sometimes is the practicality of our faith. Yeah, I think so too. And um, so that's good. I'm glad. What What are you hearing? What is God laying on your heart? Well, it was very interesting. He's laid several things on my heart over the last few days and maybe week or so. But one day last week, 
I don't even know how it came up, but we were, I was in the book of Timothy reading, and I came across this verse. I'm going to read it to you guys because um, it's interesting, and it talks about women specifically. So just quick background. Timothy is a letter that was written. Um, it's considered one of the pastoral epistles. An epistle is just a fancy word for letter, and it was written by the Apostle Paul to Timothy to help Timothy put some organization to the church, which kind of goes in line with what we're going to be talking about today. Mm-hmm. But um, I was reading, and he, Timothy, I mean, the Apostle Paul is writing to Timothy about instructions for women in the church. And so, because I'm a woman in the church, and I love the church, and I love being a woman, and I love other women in the church, every time I see that in the Bible, when it talks about a woman specifically, it stands out. So, this is First Timothy 2, starting in verse 11, and it just says, A woman must quietly receive instructions with entire submissiveness. But I do not allow a woman to teach or exercise authority over a man, but to remain quiet. Okay, so if you know me, that you know there are times that on Sunday mornings at my home church, I teach. And so that's a really hard verse to... I was like, you're bringing this verse out? This was supposed to just be like, you know, we we need a whole week of podcasts to exegete this text. I know. So there's a lot, okay? And this has nothing to do with what we're going to be talking about today, really. But what God showed me in that when I was reading it, because I am a woman and I don't tend to be quiet, because when I hear quiet, I hear the word silent, mm-hmm. like don't speak. So I did a little investigating, and I looked up what the Greek word means for quietly or to remain quiet. It does not mean silent. It means to live an undisturbed, chaotic, free life. Mm. Oh, doesn't that change that? So think about it this way. A woman must quietly receive instruction. She must, with an undisturbed spirit, without chaos, receive instruction. And then for a woman to remain quiet, she must live a life that is without this disruptive nature and this chaos. Now listen, I don't mean like you're being pulled in 14 directions because one kid's got softball and one kid's got soccer and one kid's got swim. Or you get stressed out one day. Yes. This is talking about your heart. Is your heart settled in a place with God where there is peace, even in the midst of the chaotic events of your life. So this isn't talking about your day in, day out schedule. This is a posture of your heart. When things get really hard, when you find out, like I just found out, and we got to replace like 15 windows in our house, and I'm like, oh my gosh, how are we going to do that? Is there a peace and a calm of the trust in the Lord. And so I just really thought that was interesting. And no one's ever, I've never heard anyone teach on that as living a quiet life means living an undisturbed life. Mm. So um, I thought that was interesting and it was helpful to me. And I think I'm going to build a whole teaching around it. And at our women's breakfast at our church in April, that's what I'm going to be teaching on. Interesting. I love that. God's just laying all these messages that we need to give on our hearts. I know. It's good stuff. So today, if you did not listen to last week's episode, aka the fake podcast, I love my mama, y'all. I love it. She she texted me. She's like, I listened to your fake podcast and it made me laugh. (laughs) I think she meant she listened to the podcast on food fraud. Yeah, about fake stuff that we buy. Yeah. Yeah. But when I read it, I just got tickled because I I was like, my podcast is fake. Uh, Hey, as long as you're listening to it, we don't care. That's right. I love you, mama. (laughs) Mm, I love you too. 
so last week we were talking about that and we talked about church fraud and we kind of left you in the saver moment with hey go check out your church's website and your statement of belief and uh think about you know what that is we kind of gave you some red flags to look for in church fraud and so today we really want to kind of get into how if you're not plugged into a local church or you're about to move and you are looking for a local church we want this episode to help you <coughs> excuse me to kind of see what are some things when you're looking for a church do you need to look for because there's some practical things like if you've got children you want it to be a safe environment for your kids i mean to me in our current society and culture and world knowing that my kids are in a safe and secure environment is kind of important. Right. So those things are, are things that I think we naturally would know. But today we're going to spend a little bit more time looking at um, some aspects of the church and what, what you would want to look at. But have you ever heard anyone talk about, I mean, well, I don't like this about that church, or I don't like this about that church, or, you know, that church does this or that, and just kind of gets frustrated with it. Mm -hmm. And I think we come into looking for a church. I think a lot of us, whether we admit it or not, we're looking for a perfect church. Mm. And we are never going to find a perfect church. So today, instead of helping you find the perfect church for you and your family, or for you, we want to talk about looking for a church that is pure and pursue it after God. Because instead of looking for the perfect church, we think it's better to look for a pure, pursuant church. I love that, definitely. Because you're never going to find a church that meets necessarily all your boxes. And if you do, that church will, may let you down in some stuff. I yes. mean, and that's a, maybe another thing. But I mean, not in a way that you should leave it. Right. I mean, there are things that they do anyway. We talked about some of that last week. But. Yes, <laughs> we did. Suzanne's like, but we won't go but back. But I won't go back. <laughs> yes. So I think just to keep in mind, when we're talking about looking for a church, there is like we go to a specific church, and our specific church is a part of the Greater Universal Church, capital C Church, which is the Bride of Christ. And that church started in the book of Acts. Mm -hmm. So Suzanne, will you read to us um, kind of one of the, this verse to me in Acts is one of those when you think about the church. So if you're unfamiliar with the book of Acts, it comes after the Gospels. It was written by Luke and who also wrote one of the Gospels. And it basically starts with the apostles sitting in this room waiting because when Christ ascended, he said, now go and wait until I send the helper, the Holy Spirit. And so the book of Acts opens kind of there. And by the second chapter, the church of Jesus Christ has been formed. And this is one of the verses that I think kind of helps us understand what is the church look like so will you read acts 2 42 i will it says they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching to the fellowship to the breaking of bread and to prayer yeah so i think those four things the apostles teaching fellowship breaking of bread and prayer are crucial elements in the church and i'm talking capital c bride of christ church i think those things matter and the fact that they devoted themselves to those things are important and should be. And so when we think about it, when we're talking about the church universal, the bride of Christ, it was initiated 
over 2,000 years ago, right there in the book of Acts. And there are millions of our brothers and sisters who are a part of that church, some who have already passed on, and we won't get to meet them until heaven, but we are all a part of that. But in the same way, today we're going to kind of be more practical in looking for like a local church, which is part of the greater church, the bride of Christ. So there are a few things that you can look at, but the one thing I think is important to remember, like we talked about, the church is made of imperfect people. And I think sometimes, especially if you are new to church, you have this assumption that they're not supposed to make mistakes. Like your pastor is never supposed to make a mistake. Y'all, he's human. (laughs) He's going to make a mistake. He's not perfect. He's probably going to say something inadvertently that's not accurate or correct, Not, not intentionally. But I think keeping that in mind and remembering God has chosen to work through in perfect people to bring about the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. So just keep that in mind when you're checking out churches. But one of the first things I think you want to look at, and when you're looking at a church's statement of belief, we hit on that last week, one of the things that you want to look at is what do they think about the Bible? How do they feel about the Bible? And so you want to make sure that they teach all of the Word of God, like the canon of Scripture, the 66 books, that they believe it all. That's important. Yeah. And I think like part of what's behind that, why it's so important, especially today, I mean, this is the only generation I've ever lived in, so... (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, I only have my life as a reference point. But one of the things that I see happening today is this real, and I know we've talked about this before, but this uh, progressive movement. And so they tend, what I've seen is a tendency to pick and choose what parts of the Bible you you want to hold on to. Mm-hmm. Um, the easy parts, right? Yeah. The good parts, the parts that talk about, um, you know, how much God loves us, and He does. Um, but not, but leaving out other things like that we are sinful and that we need a savior and those kinds of things. So I mm-hmm. think that that's really important today. Yeah. And I think it's important to pay attention to across the board. So not just what the preacher is talking about on Sunday morning and making sure that he is reading scripture, teaching out of scripture, and that scripture is represented there. But also look in their student ministry section and make sure that they are referring back to scripture in the children's ministry, that they're referring back to scripture, that the Bible is valued, that the Bible is revered, and that the Bible has final authority. And so a lot of times, a a long time ago, I used to teach a class at our church for anyone who was new and checking our church out. And they would say, what does your church think about XYZ? What is your church's stance on XYZ? And I would always say, our church did not come up with a stance on whatever the topic was. We rely on God's word. And so God's word teaches this And that's what we hold on to. So we stand on the word of God. I love that. Yeah. So important. Yeah. So that's just something to look for. Make sure that they talk about that in their statement of belief. Most 
churches will say something like, we believe that the Bible is authoritative, or we believe the Bible is sufficient. Um, We believe in the effectiveness of Scripture. We believe that all Scripture is inspired by God, written through the hands of men, um, you know, that kind of stuff. So those are the things you want to look for, just that they do believe in the authority of Scripture. Another one that I think is important is the supremacy of Christ. Is the name of Christ, is the sufficiency and supremacy of Christ represented? And in our mission statement at our church, it is, because our mission statement talks about that. Our mission statement is um, for you to become a learner, a lover, and a leader in your relationship with Jesus Christ and the world around you, Mm. um, so that Christ will emerge out of the life that you live as you grow as learner, lover, and leader. And so I think, you know, making sure that there's an idea of the centrality of Christ. Because I think it's easy for him to get shoved to the side in certain churches. You know, other things get elevated above Jesus. Yeah, I was talking with someone, um, not super recently, but they were looking for a new church. And I was talking with them and asked them kind of like, what were some of the things that were most important to them as they were looking for a new church? And they said they were really looking... Um, for a church that was not so pastor centric. Mm. And I thought that was, that speaks to kind of what you're talking about is like, who's being elevated in that church? Is it the pastor or is it Christ? Yeah. Yeah. I think that is a, a really good point. And you should be able to see that. And the other thing is in their statement of belief, they should have a statement about who Christ is. It usually probably will come under a section under the Trinity. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, they you want them to talk about Christ and the supremacy and sufficiency of Christ. Another one is that it's, and this kind of goes along with what you're saying, that it's God-centered, not man-focused. Mm-hmm. And so if it's all about the actions of what they're doing and it's not God-centered, then I think that's a red flag. So you want to make sure that God is at the center and it's not just focused on what man can accomplish apart from what God is doing. Right, like who's being glorified. Yes, absolutely. Okay, this next one you guys are probably not going to... This is the one where I think is hard for us sometimes, but you want a church that will not shy away from talking about sin. Mm. Sin is not a four-letter word, y'all. It's not. It's three. It is. only three you guys (laughs) but I think sometimes we don't like to recognize sin and our need for Jesus and we don't we aren't going to use the word sin but I think it's one of the most loving things a church can do because we need to when you look at the apostle Paul who was writing letters to these early churches like in Corinth or in Ephesus or Thessalonica, he isn't shying away, especially in Corinthians. He's not shying away from sinful behavior. He's identifying it and telling them to turn from it. And so it is important for your church to have a statement, an idea, a a stance on what scripture says about sin. So, and that the only hope for every single one of us is our need for Jesus. We all need Jesus because we're all sinners according to Romans and we've all fallen short of the glory of God and we all need to be reconciled back to God. And the only way we can do that according to scripture is through Jesus Christ. Yeah, I think if you, what I would say that translates to practically is if you go to church and you never feel challenged, and you never feel convicted by the Holy Spirit while you're there, then they may not be talking about any sin. 
Yeah, totally agree. If you feel super duper good every single Sunday and your pastor never irritates you or makes you mad or hurts your feelings, then you know. Yeah, I mean, and it might not necessarily even be exactly what the pastor says, but that you never feel challenged by any of the teaching at that church in some way, shape, or form. It's always about... Um, you know, just satisfying what we want to hear as opposed to what we need to hear, that's a red flag. Yeah. It goes back to what we talked about last week. Are you having your ears tickled? Do you want your itching ears tickled or do you want sound doctrine? And sometimes sound doctrine, teaching about sin is going to hurt a little bit. As it should. Yeah. Yeah. But remember, scripture also says no discipline seems pleasant at the present time, but it will bring about a harvest of righteousness for those who are trained by it. And I do think this is also an area, if you've experienced church hurt, where it does, when a church doesn't do this well or handle your sin or something that you have been vulnerable about and seeking help for, hasn't handled that correctly, then there is a potential there for you to be hurt by that. And that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the kindness of God that leads us to repentance through the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Yes. That's what we're talking about. Not people treating you poorly and not handling it correctly when you come with a struggle. Because like Stacy said, we all struggle. None of us are without struggle. So if you go to a church where the leadership acts like they never struggle with anything and they're perfect, that's also a red flag. Yes. Because no one wants to be around someone who's perfect all the time. And by the way, they're lying. Right, exactly. (laughs) Because they're not. Because no one is perfect. It's actually one of the things that I love about our church. We were in a meeting yesterday, um, and the guy who was leading the meeting said, what is something that you love about your church? And each one of us on the staff got to kind of talk about something that we love. And resoundingly as a staff, we talked about the authenticity that's represented at our church. Mm. I also talked about the theological robustness that's at our church because I love that too. But it, and it comes from the, the leadership down. There's an authenticity that we're not afraid to say, yeah, no, we're not perfect people. We this week struggled with yelling at our kids or watching something we weren't supposed to or whatever and and not making that okay but being open and vulnerable to explain that none of us do this right Mm -hmm. we all need jesus every single day amen yeah so another one that uh I think is important to think about when you're thinking about trying to find a church because there are some churches that really focus on being a good person. They really talk about and they teach your kids how to just be a good kid, like how to, you know, be nice to your friends and obey your parents and clean up after yourself, which who don't want a kid like that, right? I mean, it sounds nice. It does. (laughs) I'm just kidding. I love my kids. They're amazing. (laughs) But if that is the main focus, that is an ideology. That is an idea around something. That is not the heart of theology, the study of God and his word and his character and his nature. What we would call moralism? Yes. Mm -hmm. We would call it humanism or moralism. Mm -hmm. And so when a church is trying to teach you how to be a good human, y'all, first of all, you can't be a good human all the time. You'll just exhaust yourself. You know? Yeah, and I think you mean apart from 
the work of the spirit. Yes. Yes. Like you, are, you cannot make yourself good enough. You cannot make yourself righteous. You cannot make yourself holy. Yes. Without the work of the Holy Spirit. Um, yes. And that is, so it, this is, it was interesting. And I may have said this on the podcast before, but I have, as my kids are older, have reflected on, man, what would I do differently if I could go back and re-raise my kids. And my daughter and I were talking about this yesterday. She's like, you know how you said, this is what you would change? I'm like, yeah, I would change that. It's really the idea that if I could go back and re-raise my kids, I did a lot of don't watch porn, don't do drugs, don't cuss, you know, I mean, I did a lot of teaching and instructing in those things. And I think that's important. I mean, you got to have those conversations. But y'all, for a good six to nine months, every time my son walked out the door, I'm literally screaming, don't watch porn, don't do drugs. I love you. Have a great day. You laugh. I literally used to yell that at him. That was last year. Like out the door? Oh, yeah, girl. From the front porch. And so I have changed that because instead of trying to instill this moralism in them, which I do think is important, now I look at him and I was like, hey, do you know that the power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead, that power is alive and active. And when the enemy comes for you today and when you are tempted today to walk away and do something you shouldn't, rely on the power of the Holy Spirit that resides in you today. When you feel like you need to say something kind to a friend or you need to have the courage to forgive someone, then rely on the power of the Holy Spirit. I think that changes things. And so if the church is always just trying to teach you how to be morally right without talking about the power of the Holy Spirit that indwells Christians, then they're missing the boat. And grace. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. That leads us to the next one, which is, does the church rely on the gifts of the Holy Spirit? And I, I mean, we are strong believers in this. Once a month at our church, we have a service called Encounter, and it is a very intimate evening of worship just a little bit of teaching. Really, it's more of like kind of a instruction. It's almost like our pastor opens the door and just allows for the Holy Spirit, makes room for the Holy Spirit to move. And I think it's really important, first of all, to be educated on what the gifts of the Spirit are. Have we ever done a series on the podcast about the gifts of the Spirit? I don't think so. Don't I'd have either. to go back and look, but I don't I don't think so. Coming soon this <laughs> spring, ladies. Uh, I think that would be really cool. But there is, as a church, we must rely on the gifts of the Spirit because the Holy Spirit has given gifts to the church. And those gifts, like the gift that I have of teaching, is not for me. God gave me that gift so that I can give it to the church and so that the church can be edified and strengthened. And so I think helping people understand what their gifts are, explaining and teaching those gifts, and then as a church relying on those gifts to bring about um, the good of those in the congregation is really important. So, And then the last one, which I don't really think is the least important, I didn't put these in any specific order, so is prayer. Mm. Is the church founded based on prayer? Because Jesus said, don't make it a den of robbers. It is a house of prayer. Mm. That's how Jesus referred to it. And so I think it's really important to think about how much 
does your church rely on prayer? And our church does a lot of things that demonstrate we rely on prayer. So two weeks out of the year, we as a church gather every night for our week of prayer. We just did that last week, and it was really powerful and amazing. And then weekly, our church also has a time where there's a group of women who meet on Wednesday mornings, and they come together and they pray for the needs of our church, and they pray for our staff. Our staff gets together once a week and prays, and I just think that's a beautiful thing to do. And so prayer is important, and it needs to be a central part of the church. Yeah, and this isn't just about our church. Um, I know that's our only, like, we're giving examples because those are things we do, but I listen to a lot of sermons, and the pastors in their sermons talk about how, like, the elders and I, we got together and we prayed. We prayed over the vision for the church for next year. We prayed over, and so those are things you should be hearing, I think, in the church to identify, is this a church who believes in the power of prayer? Yeah, I think so, too. I think it's really important. And then one of the other things I kind of wanted to talk about, because some churches are going to say things that are a little bit weird, and we talked about that last week in church fraud, but there was one I wanted to bring up this week that I thought was really, I read this on a church website, and it said, it is important to have opinions, yet having to be right about one's opinion is a form of violence that we inflict on each other. Beliefs, even the beliefs on this page, tend to divide. We respect all beliefs so as not to have them divide. Mm. Isn't that crazy? That's interesting. Yes. And so I want to point out a couple of things. It says it's important to have opinions, but opinions are a form of violence that we inflict on each other. Okay. I think that's strong language, first of all. But again, our church, my church personally that I attend, like I said earlier, we don't have opinions. We have a stance of a belief in what God's word says, and that's what gets put forward, not my opinion about a topic or an idea or a thought. And so partly what they're saying, I hear that. Opinions, you know, you, everybody can have an opinion, but the belief that we have, that we hold, that a church holds, should come from the word of God. And Christ, believing in Jesus Christ, is going to be offensive to some people who reject him. And that is a truth. Now, do I get to be mean to people and unkind to people? No, Christ wasn't that. Christ modeled love and speaking the truth in love, but some people are offended by that. Scripture talks about how we should spread the aroma of the fragrance of the knowledge of Christ. And to some, it's the aroma of life, and to others, it's going to be the stench of death. But I don't get to choose what that is for them. They choose that. Absolutely. And I think that goes back to the idea of, listen, we're not going to say that what is truth, right? Because truth is fluid and your truth might be right and my truth might be right. And, you know, but no, that is, that's a terrible way for us to live. Like I, I watched a video the other day um, and it was a, I just shared with you a little bit of the story. But it was a video of a man, and he is a like a Christian person on social media, influencer or whatever you call. But anyway, he he had was talking with his daughter, and he he asked her, he said, "What is you know what you want to do with like what are your life dreams?" And she said, "I want to fulfill the Great Commission." 
And there were so many comments on there about this is indoctrination at its core, blah, blah, blah. And and I get that if you're not a Christian, but I wanted to be like, yes, I'm indoctrinating my kid to the truth. You know, I want my kid because I want my kid to know that there is truth, that truth exists. Like, what kind of world do you want to live in where there is no standard of truth? Right. So that was just a little side note, but just saying like, believe in something. Yes. And back that belief up with something that is reliable. And the Word of God is reliable. And if you don't believe me, and you don't believe that the Word of God has is historically accurate in the historicity of the Bible, then when we release our Bible 101 course, you should check it out. Which you will get for free when you sign up to be a part of our discipleship. Absolutely. Because I think maybe you've never done the research to understand why we know that we can believe the Bible to be true. The reason we can believe the Bible to be true is because there has been a ton, I mean a ton of scholarly work to prove the historicity and the accuracy of scripture by non-Christian scholars. There are textual scholars who will tell you that the Bible is We know that we know that what we hold in our hands today is real and accurate and was written like we understand it to be, more so than a lot of the pieces of literature that we believe from Scripture. So the writings of Shakespeare and all of those writings, um, Old Man in the Sea, the Odyssey, whatever, all of those, any of that stuff, we automatically just believe, oh yeah, that was a written piece of work, and we don't question the authorship, we don't question who wrote it. We have more proof about the Bible than any of those other texts, Mm -hmm. so we know the Bible is real, and it has survived for thousands of years, and the integrity of what the original manuscripts were to what they are today, it's real. And so the church that you're looking for should be a pure church that stands on the Word of God because that's crucial Mm. and it's important. And if you stick to the Word of God, probably going to be good boundaries set for you. Yeah. And I would just add some other things. I don't know. But just to say, like, again, those are kind of like the, the core things. But, like, if you disagree with someone there about end times, like, that's that's probably an okay thing, right? Like your faith doesn't need to stand on your eschatology or how you think it's going to be. Like you're going to have to have, I think, some space to think differently in some things that are not core doctrine, that are not the most important um, like that. Or if you believe in different things that are similar, but they're not. I think Beth Moore actually calls them, um, what does she call them? She calls them spine issues and rib issues. And I always loved that analogy because think about the the things that we've talked about. Those are the spine issues that are going to help you stand up in your faith, in what's true. And then the rib issues are those things that, yeah, Stacy and I could disagree on end times or disagree on women being called pastor or Right, or whatever. Those things are okay, but what is the core of what they believe? Yeah, I love that. And I kind of just want to finish with um, a verse, again, out of 1 Timothy. I'm just really digging some 1 Timothy Mm -hmm. lately. It's it's been good stuff. And um, again, the Apostle Paul's writing, and in 1 Timothy 3, starting in verse 14, he says, I'm writing these things to you, hoping to come to you before long. But in case I am delayed, I write so that you will know how one ought to conduct himself 
in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and support of the truth. Mm. And I just think that's beautiful that it's, it is the church of the living God, the pillar and support of the truth. And that, that is what the church is supposed to be. And I do think it's just Stacy McLean opinion. So, you know, I'm not trying to force it on anyone. I just want to share it with you. I mean, I'm in front of the microphone, so I get to share my opinion, don't I? There you go. I do think there is a refining to the bride of Christ. Mm. I think God is purifying and refining his church. And I want to be a part of the church of Jesus Christ to proclaim the excellencies of the glory of the one who has come to save us and to um, minister to us so that we can be a light in the darkness. And I think God is really doing that through the church, and we see that. And so I just think it's a beautiful thing. I think if you don't get anything else out of this episode, we hope that you get that even if you've had a bad experience with church, don't lump all churches into that. And if someone in the church hurt you, someone in leadership at the church hurt you, please hear me. We are so sorry that happened to you. That is not God's plan and God's intention. But God does use broken and imperfect people. And hurt is sometimes a result of that. Mm. But don't turn your back on the bride of Christ because you had a bad experience with a church or with a person in the church or with a group of people in the church. It is really important to be plugged in to a community of believers. I know we're going kind of long today, but along those lines, you know, I've heard people say, well, I just, I'm so busy. I don't have time to go to church all the time. And I think it's interesting when we think about it, because when we think about church, we think about Sunday morning worship experience service, right? But I think church can happen on a Tuesday night. Y'all, church happened in my house Mm -hmm. last night. My husband leads a small group on Wednesday nights, and my son and I kind of giggle sometimes because my son will look at me and be like, Dad's yelling at him again. I'm like, honey, he's just a passionate man. He's just like, (laughs) Jesus loves you. (laughs) And it's like really passionate. But church happened in my house last night because there were a group of 10 to 12 men who got together, opened up the word of God, prayed together, read God's word together, and encouraged each other. And that is the church of Jesus Christ. So yes, you should be plugged into a local church because you have a gift. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ and follow after him, you have been given a gift by the Holy Spirit that that church, that body needs. And so get plugged in. Don't shy away from it because you've had a bad experience. I want to encourage you, get plugged in somehow, somewhere, some way. Amen. Yes. So, okay, our savor moment, Suzanne. Y'all, I love it when Suzanne has the recipe. Suzanne, you tell them all the fun stuff with the recipe. I'll come in with the other part. So I have tried several different chicken and rice recipes that my son will eat, and I have found one. And so you probably get excited. I bet our listeners get excited as well, because it means that it's a super easy recipe coming your way. (laughs) Gotta love it. So this is my ranch chicken and rice recipe. Super easy. It literally cooks itself. Um, you want me to tell them how to do it or we'll yeah. just put the... Oh. No, tell them. Because half these women are not going to the show notes. Let's be okay. honest. So this is super easy. My son's been eating it. We make it... My husband and I make it a lot to eat for lunch during the week so we don't spend all our money eating out. And then my son started eating it this week for lunch, which I'm 
so thankful for because I'm so tired of making sandwiches. But um, it's super easy. You put however many chicken breasts you want in your Instapot. You could slow cook it, but I Instapot it. Um, I use maybe three to four chicken breasts. Throw in a stick of butter. Throw in a pack, two packs if you use more chicken, of the ranch. Um, Hidden Valley Ranch yeah, dry powder. Dry powder. Um, a little bit of chicken broth in it. Cook it in your Instapot or slow cooker. Grab some Uncle Ben's instant rice. We like the Batsatma or the Jasmine. Cook it in the microwave. Bam. Done. Mix it together. Chicken so and good. rice. So good. Easiest recipe we've ever shared. I love that. I love that. There's intentionality behind it. There's a pureness to it, isn't yes, there? Yes, very simple. Very, very simple, simple, very pure. <laughs> and um, just like look for the pure church. We got you a purely good chicken yes. and rice recipe, which I personally appreciate because my son's on a chicken and rice every day for lunch. And I'm like, dude. Well, this will this will change up the flavor for him. So he'll probably love it. Ranch chicken and rice recipe mm-hmm. in the Instapot or slow cooker. Yeah, we just call it our ranch chicken there you go. Yep. Suzanne's ranch chicken is your recipe <laughs> of the week. And along with that savor moment, we just want to encourage you, spend some time praying for the church, the bride of Christ. Pray for our brothers and sisters around the world who are being persecuted because of their faith. We don't experience that very much in the United States, but there are some pretty staggering estimates and um, statistics about how people are being persecuted. Our One of our executive pastors just shared with us last week that um, one of his friend's pastors got arrested and sentenced to nine years in prison for having a church in China. Mm. He's in a Chinese prison right now for nine mm. years because he opened his Bible and read it in front of other people. Mm-hmm. So we need to be praying for our brothers and sisters. And then I want you to just pray um, that God will purify the church and that The Bride of Christ will continue to be a witness to the world and for anyone who's been hurt by the church. If you will just pray for God to heal and restore. So go make some of that great, purely good chicken and rice. And you'll have plenty of time to pray because it's so easy. There you go. And then just spend some time praying for the church. We are so glad that you guys joined us. Don't forget, you can always um, continue the conversation by being a part of our Saver community group on Facebook. So we'll put a link in the show notes. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook and TikTok, even though I hear Facebook's dead now, y'all, but whatever. Um, I was with Suzanne earlier, and we did some live on TikTok, which was fun and crazy. So follow us wherever you do. And thank you guys so much for listening. We'd love to hear from you. So reach out to us with any questions or thoughts that you have, and we hope you guys have a great day. Thank you for being with us today here at Savor. This podcast is a ministry of Crosstown Church. For information about SOAR Women's Ministry or Crosstown Church, please visit crosstownchurch.com or download the Crosstown app. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please remember to like, subscribe, or leave a review. This helps people find us.